Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, with you for a special Tuesday episode of the Steelers Preview. It's a crazy week, and that's because the Steelers are in a crazy week as they have a short week preparing for the Thursday night football game in Week 11 in Cleveland versus the Cleveland Browns, the 5-4 and four Steelers. My gosh, 5-4. and four. It's hard to believe that. But there they are sitting at 5-4 and four, getting ready for a slate of three straight AFC North divisional games. We're going to talk about that as well as everything else breaking down the upcoming game. Joining me is co-host Dave Schofield. You'll notice there's no Brian Anthony Davis yet. That's the keyword yet. He will be joining us a little bit later. Dave, how's it going? It's going. It's boy. This is a weird week. This is a super weird week. I mean, it's it's bad enough when you have the Monday night game that's pushing off to to then the next Sunday. It just feels weird. This one's really weird. Well, you know what else is weird? Is that how in the heck are the Steelers underdogs in this game? <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. When you and Lance were talking in, in the post-game show, I'm like, and and then I had to look it up to do the article. I'm like, yeah, they're not favored. They're they're not favored. Unbelievable. Two and a half points. Is that still the spread, Dave? That, that you... was um I checked it earlier this afternoon. It was still that. And I will while we're speaking, I'll just confirm that here soon. Okay. Um I'm putting it in the live chat right now. If anyone um I, I, this is always makes me curious. I don't do it all the time. Um, but I want to know where everyone's watching from. Let's give some people some shout outs to start off the show. Look, I, I feel like, you know, behind the steel curtain is global and I know it's global, but, um, let's see where our podcasts go in terms of our live chat community and, and stuff like that. But yeah, the underdogs, like Didn't, underdogs, you they, did see the one right where, where, where Brian's listening from. I can't click on it because uh, of my Kuwait. Yeah. Reset. Brian yeah. from Kuwait. We've yeah. got Toby from Illinois. Man. We've got Ryan from Slow Ohio. Um, I grew up right near Ohio. That's what we used to always call Ohio Slow Ohio. We've got Portland, Oregon, um, Huntsville, Alabama, Texas, New Jersey, North Carolina, Muncie, Pennsylvania. But right now he's in Westfield, Mass. That's West Hickok, Rochester, Florida. I mean, this is crazy. California, Fresno, California. Um, anyone multiple, from anyone multiple from, Baltimore's man, multiple Baltimore's. Oh, Baltimore. Hey, I I feel, we feel your pain. We're, We're both in the free state as well. And Hey, there's a Mechanicsburg PA, not too close from us here in, uh, Western Maryland. Um, <laughs> just, just close <laughs> enough to have them blacked out. Exactly. Hey, we got a West, <laughs> we got some West Virginia folks here. George from Clarksburg. Wow, where's I'd love to see someone from my hometown, Wheeling, West Virginia, tune in, but we'll see. Um, but here we go. Um, what is the final number there, Dave? Uh it is still two and a half and uh and the over under is forty. My gosh, run to your local bookie, go to your local casino, and please put money on the Steelers oh, no. um, getting points. No, 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 no. Don't put, no, don't put money on the Steelers getting points. No, that is not that is not the smart bet. Why? The smart bet right now is put the money on the Steelers on the money line. You're looking at a at a at a plus one thirty five. So that should be a payout. Um, you know, I might have it here. What that might be. I mean, that's that. That means you're going to get be getting back more than because of, because of that plus. You know that that means like a seventy five dollar bet would give you like a hundred bucks back yeah. plus your seventy five. So don't just bet the the for them to cover. Bet for them to win it straight up and and win more money. 
Go for the money line. Absolutely. You don't need those points. I don't think they're going to need those points. We'll get to our nope. predictions at the end of the show. Uh, just a couple of other people. David's from London, England, tuning in. Uh, someone from San Antonio, Texas. I love it. I absolutely love this little group we have going on. And uh, the live chat is growing. Our channel is growing. We're almost at 4,500 subscribers. We thank you for everyone that has just joined us recently and has become a recent subscriber. We have a show every day for you. During the season, every single day, there's a there's a podcast for you, so you'll get to know some of these names in the live chat like we have over the past few months. So um, the Steelers are indeed underdogs in this Week 11 game, as crazy as it is. Um, I understand that the home team typically gets three points or gives away three points, but at the same time, the Steelers are 5-4. and four. They've won four games in a row. Uh, Dave, what are your just gut instincts and I put a lot of stock into my gut in terms of what I feel about the game. And that's why I actually in the, the week 10 game against the Rams, I originally thought the Steelers were going to lose that game, but there was something about the matchup with the Steelers defensive front and the Rams offensive line that I said, you know what? My gut tells me the Steelers are going to win this game. And lo and behold, it was that defensive front that absolutely dominated the Rams. But Dave, this upcoming game, what is your gut tell you about this Thursday night game my my gut tells me and you have to listen to my gut because it is way bigger than yours (laughs) so my my gut tells me is that because I talked about it on stat geek last night first year head coaches don't do well on Thursday night Steelers are going up against the first year head coach I don't know that 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 offensively that the Browns can scheme have enough time to scheme how to both stop the Steelers pass rush and get their receivers open against our secondary. It's, I mean, usually you're dealing with one or the other from the Steelers. Oh, we got a big rush, but we can throw it quick because of their secondary or all they got a good secondary, but they don't have a big pass rush right now. When you're talking about both those things, I don't see they're, I think they're just going to have fits. I don't think they're going to be prepared offensively. That's my hope. That's what my gut tells me. Now, what's going to happen is I'm going to turn around and get really, really, really mad if my gut is wrong. That's when I get the most mad is when my gut is wrong. So, But that, that that's my gut that I'm thinking this is going to be a great game for the Steelers' defense. Well, they're going to have to stop the run. And if Cleveland is smart and if Freddie Kitchens is any type of offensive coordinator, offensive mind, we'll call it that, you have to know that when you go into this game, you're not going to want Baker Mayfield out there slinging the ball around over and over and over again. That's a recipe for disaster. They're going to have to get both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt going, and they can. And the Steelers have proven to be vulnerable in that category at times uh, so far this season. That's how they're going to have to try to hang with Pittsburgh defensively because, honestly, like you said, th- th- to me, the Browns front and the Rams front have a lot of similarities. And we saw what the Steelers did to the Rams. And they just, some of the guys were like turnstiles. I mean, my goodness, it, it was Cam Hayward, in my opinion, has had two outstanding football games in a row. Uh, going back to Indianapolis, everyone knows when he basically just took Quentin Nelson for a walk back into Jacoby Brissett. That was a bulldozer play. <laughs> yeah. And he did that a couple times uh, on, on Sunday as well. So uh, your gut tells you that the that the defense is going to dominate. And my gut tells me that I think that the Steelers offense is going to 
slowly be coming back to health. And that means getting Ramon Foster back, hopefully James Conner back. Um, what was the injury report from today, Dave? Injury report from today was a little bit different than I expected, a little bit better than I expected. James Conner was full, which I expected because yeah. they, they made it seem there was going to be that way. And Ramon Foster was full. I thought he would be limited again today um, because he was listed as a, as a projected limited yesterday at the end of practice. Right. So I just thought through the protocol that meant that he would need to be limited today, but he was full today. Uh, Ryan Switzer did not practice, but both Chicolo and Adenier were limited. So they did yeah. practice some, which I didn't expect them to based on uh, the press conference yesterday. So a little bit better than we thought. Of course, we, we were told by Mike Tomlin yesterday that, that pretty much Snell and Knicks are out for yeah. the game. He hasn't said they're out, but he said we don't look for them to be able to come back on a short week. No, you're right. And I think the fact that James Conner, and we know what, from, from what we know about concussion protocol is that Foster is going to have to practice fully again, or I guess the, they, they've, they'll have the final report tomorrow. Yeah, because so, this was the only real practice that yeah. they had. So and I think James Conner was the only one in pads because they wanted to make sure his shoulder was comfortable. Hmm. So his his participation today is a good sign that he'll start. And I think that's, that's good. I, Dave, when is Mason Rudolph going to throw for over 300 yards is a question. Oh, uh, I don't know that he's going to really. Yeah. What did he finish with two forty something? Something. Um, well, and forty three maybe I think in against the Rams. And it's not that I don't think that he can, and he could have, if those passes that should have been caught would have been caught, he'd have been really close. Yeah. Um, but the reason I don't think he's going to has nothing to do with him. I think the reason he's not going to is because the defense is going to have them in a situation where they're not going to have to throw throw the ball that much. That's why. Okay. You don't have to throw for over 300 yards when you've got a shut down defense. That's a good, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And here's another question is, are, are we at the point now where Steeler fans can almost expect takeaways from the defense? Or do you think that it's just kind of like it's a trend that is just due to bust? I mean, if you look at the league leaders and takeaways, you have the Patriots at 27, the Steelers at 26, and I want to say the third team is Green Bay at 16. Like There is yeah. a precipitous drop-off from those top two to the third. I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of kind of the point where the way that they're getting after the quarterback, you kind of wait for those Aaron throws. It's just a matter of can they take advantage. And these guys are getting after the football in terms of the ball carrier too. Like they're forcing yeah. fumbles. And that's that's not luck. That's not happenstance. They, they know what they're doing when they're trailing a guy and trying to get the ball on the ground. So do you think that's a trend that's going to continue or do you think that's something that's just a flash in the pan? Well, <laughs> I said last week, I can't remember what show it was on. It might have been the burning question when when I was asked about, and we talked about maybe the Steelers could play a clean game this week. It'd be really great to watch them play that that turnover-free game, which that lasted about a whole four, that lasted a whole 14 <laughs> seconds into the game until, the, until that went down the tubes. So if you bet on the Steelers having zero turnovers, you didn't have to wait long to see if that paid off. Um, but I said that it was really important that if they turn the ball over, they're, they they got to go plus two for the game. Not only are they plus two, Right now, they, they have the 26 takeaways on 13 turnovers. So they are a two-to-one ratio. And I know the question is, it's sustainable. I mean, it can be when you've got a defense like that. But 
you can't count on it, but sometimes you just feel it. Cause I was at this game again. And there was times where we just, my brother and I turned to each other, talked to the people around us. We're like, it's time for a turnover. I said, I said, let's just get an interception and end this game. But I said it on the drive before yeah. when this went, <laughs> is when I said, let's get an interception and this game thinking and being a good field position. And uh, so I called it. I was just about, uh, about a minute and a half to two minutes too early, but they, they, they can, but if you have to get takeaways in order to win, then you're going to lose games along the way because you're not going to get that every game. But the, the way the Steelers are playing now, their defense already has an advantage before they step on the field because you, I mean, a quarterback has to, has to be aware that you've got, what now the Browns have even said the two best edge the two best edge rushing edge rushing pairs there I got it out <laughs> in the in the NFL that they're going with the Steelers with with Dupree and Watt that you know that going into it even if they're not so the first time you drop back that's in your head that they're going to be coming even though they haven't even done it one time in the game yet their reputation can do so much for what they're going to do. Absolutely. Uh, it's the extra possessions are great. The, the, I've always said this, not just this year, but most seasons is that I always say to people that are around me or maybe by myself, it's all about pot and I'm not talking about marijuana. I'm talking about <laughs> points off turnovers. Like it's such a huge statistic. Taking the ball away is one thing, but you have to do something with it. And even if it's just a field goal, those are bonus points and they've really really struggled with that this year dating all the way back to week three in san francisco i'm sorry yeah week three well, in san francisco yes and no they were gifted a couple yeah of, joe hayden's interception was wasted um what no, was the, the the trey edmonds that's the one that was that was, was the killer because they, they were, were right in there at, i mean you were if if they would have if they would have had three incompletions, they would have been looking at a 49-yard field goal. Now, I will tell you that didn't seem like there was a lot of wind in the stadium, but when I came over on the Clipper, there was quite a breeze coming across the river, and that's what gets people in that end of the stadium. It doesn't even look like it's windy, but if you step outside and can feel that, oh, <laughs> howdy, sir. If you can step out there and feel oh that goodness. feel that that's breeze, weird. that was going to be that, that was going to be tricky. <laughs> <laughs> what are I'm you sorry. Wearing? I just got in from a meeting. Is <laughs> that a Boy Scout outfit? It's yeah, the standard Boy Scout uniform. I mean, oh my gosh! Do you want to go change? What? No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not embarrassed of this. I'm proud of being a You're Boy Scout leader. To the guy who wants to wear the finny pants. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of that. Are you ashamed of that, Dave? That I'm going to be wearing finny pants? I'm, I, I would be. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I might keep the mask on a little bit more. <laughs> hey, no, you know what will happen? Chicks will want to talk to you. Guys will want to come and high five me. Someone will offer me $100 <sighs> for the pants off of my body. I wow. guarantee you. These are guarantees. That's like an Anthony Smith guarantee against the <laughs> yeah, There you go. <laughs> 2007, baby. 
Brian Anthony Smith Davis. There you go. Okay, so Brian, welcome to the show. Uh, we have a couple of super chats here to get to because we did the Q and A at the beginning. We didn't want to go any do. We knew Brian was going to be joining us a little bit later. So here from Ryan O'Toole, he puts five dollars in the tip jar. Says, "Where do you put the blame for the offense doing a David Cofferfield, aka disappearing?" We know where Brian resides. We know where Dave resides. Unless that <laughs> yeah, is you changed. answer this one. So I'll answer this one. You know, the more and more I think about it, the more and more blame I put on the play calling. Um, they get uber conservative sometimes. It's one thing if you see the quarterback going through the progression, checking down. It's another when you see plays that are just basically designed to be safe. And that shows a lack of trust in me in my opinion, in their quarterback. I think it got better against Los Angeles. They were able, they were giving him some throws that were a little bit riskier. I don't think you could say that they don't trust him when they go for it on fourth and one deep in your own zone in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. And it's not a run. It's a bootleg throw. And I don't care how ugly it looked. It was ugly. I don't care that the play was not done properly. For instance, um, Vanette and Edmund should not have been that close to one another. Um, a great article today actually was written by Cliff Harris is still a punk. Who's a writer for our website awesome about, stuff. it was about all about that decision and the three biggest takeaways from that decision. And the play was actually kind of botched, but it still worked. And they trusted Mason Rudolph enough. That tells me that it's going in the right direction. Yes. But at the same time, I also say that the offensive line has got to run block better because when you're a play caller and you know that you're not going to be able to run the ball, if you only have a quarterback that has six starts under his belt, you got a pretty limited sheet there. Wouldn't you agree, Dave? Here's here's yeah, but here's the problem with that that we don't understand that poor offensive line is being put in an awful, terrible situation because how easy is it to block? Even when you bring in, you know, number six, makeshift 72 jersey where the name on the back was eligible it was great <laughs> um but but they come in and do that but you're telling the other team we're going to run the ball and pretty much tell them we're going to run it right here to where they can send more people in that area than what you can block so to me it's the play calling based on the personnel is making the offensive line look bad now they, are they making themselves look bad perhaps Maybe they are, but I can't take that out of the equation yet to say if they really have a problem run blocking, because I mentioned this before, when we're sitting in the stands talking to people around us and we see the personnel group come out and we're calling the play and the play's not working, that's because we even know what the play is. It's just some idiots in the stands. Just imagine what the professionals on the field know. Yeah. So they're putting themselves in some bad situations. So I want to say, to kind of go along with, with what's going on, the safety, the play call on the five. Tomlin said that was his call. My thing is, your head coach has to step in and tell the offensive coordinator, hey, change it up. That's in essence what he did. Because well, so hold on, but the pro no, no, I'm not saying it was a good call because okay. I don't like that play with that personnel. Because right. you really want to run that play with two receivers going out and they were Johnny Holton and whichever the two tight ends, when it's that end of the field, I can't tell the difference between 88 and 89. So, 
you know, and, and that's all they had out there. But he got, he, I mean, DeCastro whiffed. He didn't even get to set his back foot in order to throw that ball. So yeah. that was just bad execution. But I like the whole idea of trying something different that they weren't expecting out of that formation. Because what they did one other time in the game when they tried to run out of the, uh, out of the tackle eligible formation is they switched in James Washington with Johnny Holton. As soon as they did that, you knew something was different. You knew they were, and then they tried to throw it. They telegraphed what they were doing. So, well, Johnny Holton shouldn't see the field anyways. Unless yeah. it's special teams. Yeah, just just run James Washington in that formation all the yeah. time. He's a good blocker, Brian. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I think we know where you stand on this. Is there anything else you want to shake your fist at, or are you good? <laughs> shake my fist at Klaus. <laughs> hey, you know what? Really, but the bottom line of the whole thing is it's a four game winning streak. Something's working. I don't care if one unit is uh, taking care of the other unit when James Conner gets back, when things start get. So this is rock bottom right now, and you just won four straight. When James Conner gets back, when things start getting together, yeah, it might be might be a little more. Ramon Foster's another guy that you need to get back in there. Um, but look at it. This is not the group. This is not the team that anybody envisioned back in July. That's the thing. Back back on July 25th when they started camp, no one thought this was going to happen. And hey, I'm taking five and four right now. And this is a team that very well could, I, I could say that this could be a seven and two team right now if things would have went their way, even with Mason Rudolph there. I mean, still yeah. with injury. So look, we are spoiled and we're going to be spoiled and we're just waiting for that other shoe to drop like we've been beaten down. But hey, I'm enjoying this ride right now, guys. And I'm thinking that something's going to get to get together. I'm thinking that just two and a half weeks ago that um, James Conner ran for 145 yards and only had to add an extra five on, on uh, receiving yards. So he had 150 yards and this is a group that that went out and got 145 yards on the ground with one guy. And that doesn't count anybody else on that team. So, you know, I'm thinking that it's going in the right direction. We want it to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect, but you know what? The meal tastes good. I don't care how you prepare it. That's good. I like that. Chris puts four and nine into the tip chart. We appreciate that. He said the power ranking showed that our only four losses are against the top four teams, in the NFL. And that's typically, if you look at most of the power rankings, you're talking about the Patriots, the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Ravens now. And so you have, you look at, what do you point at, Brian? Seahawks have two losses. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Well played. Well played. Um, no, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, that, that, that I do the power ranking article for the uh, website every Wednesday. And I was looking at that and it's the Steelers have, you know, they've been in every single game except for the week one game. The only game that Ben Roethlisberger played is in the, in his entirety. And I'm not saying it's all on him. It's just a strange and crazy, um, coincidence but anyways uh we are gonna get I, this go ahead, go ahead i've got to. i'm sorry i looked this up all right i've got to turn back the clock i got to turn back the clock to before the draft okay and i want to turn the, the back the clock to when we predicted game by game the 2019 season okay do you know where we were after nine games 
Jeff, the eternal optimist who yes, had the Steelers was... starting off 4-0, beating the Patriots and rolling on. He had them at 87-3 and at that yeah. point. He was making up he, games. He had, you had them at 7-2. and two. Okay. Brian had them at 6-3. and three, And I had them at 5-4. and four. This was with Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. And yet we still had them. Uh, Jeff was 13 and three and Brian and I were both 11 and five, you know? So, um, so see, I was wrong. I had them losing to the Rams early on in the season. So this is, and it's funny because I have them winning the next three, which I like, um, look at where we are and it's how different this team is, but yet we are still kind of where we thought they could be right now. Just want, just thought I'd throw that out there. No, no, you're right. You're right. And and I I look at the way you know people look back of like that. People might ask the question of what would this team be with Ben Roethlisberger under center? And a lot of times it's very very similar, maybe not to the same extent of the Mike Tomlin people that long for Bill Cowher. It's almost as if you you've focus so much on what was good about the past that you forget about some really ugly stuff too. So under Bill Cower, people forget, do you forget about all those AFC championship losses at home? And this is before they won the one for the thumb. I mean, how many years did they say that one for the thumb, one for the thumb? Finally, they get it in 2005. Bill Cower was a great coach. I love Bill Cower. He was like my first, he was the coach of my youth. You guys might remember Chuck Noll. I don't, but it was Bill Cower. It was Cower power. But at the same time, it's like people think, oh, well, if Ben were a quarterback, this team would be nine and oh, seven and two, whatever. Let's not forget. Ben didn't look that great in week one. Let's also not forget that there were moments. There's always been moments where he would have gigantic brain farts in games and have really bad interceptions and be really careless with the football. 2018. That's stretch in 2018. He led the league in interceptions in 2018. Let's not forget about the five interception game in 2017 against the Jaguars in week five. I mean, we could go back and talk about the duds that he's had. And trust me, the good outweighs the bad with Ben Roethlisberger, just like the good outweighed the bad with Bill Cowher. But at the same time, I guess I want people to remember that when you're comparing these players and coaches, let's not forget all the bad stuff too. And I think that with Ben Roethlisberger, this team would be, still be really competitive, but Mason Rudolph is keeping them competitive. He's not losing them games. Go ahead, Brian. Let me ask you this. Sure. Say hypothetically, Mason Rudolph goes down and duck comes in. I'm willing to bet. And I'm willing to bet that everybody will be longing for Mason Rudolph after a stretch of three or four games. Mason did this better. Mason did this. And actually, as much as everybody enjoyed the Chargers game, there were people, <laughs> there were people longing for Mason Rudolph in that game, and it, it's really funny. Um, we always want the guy, and we've talked about this with coaching with Mike Tomlin. We, and to your point, we always want the guy that just left, but really, you got to ride with the guy that's here. And I like what's happening. If Ben Roethlisberger was here right now to answer your question, Jeff, you know what what would happen? There'd be uh, there would be less urgency from the rest of the team. There might be uh, one one of the big things that we've always complained about the Steelers in the last seven or eight years was the dreaded playing down to their competition. 
There is, and I brought this up the other day, there has been no playing down to your competition this year. And it's my latest fact or fiction. It's been in there because no one could afford to play down or up to their competition. They're just doing whatever they can to stay in games. And lo and behold, they're winning games. So that's not happening. And I love everything that, ben, I mean, the legacy that Ben Roethlisberger left us was fantastic. And I'm a big fan and I will always be a big fan. But right now, you know what? We got to stop longing for who left us. It's like, uh, hey, love the one you're with. And I could break out into song. I actually had that in my head <laughs> while you were talking. <laughs> well, hold on. I, I have two questions for you guys. Okay. One of which was actually asked by Mr. Third and Fifth. Let me find this in the yeah. live chat here. He had a good question. And we're just going to do this rapid fire. I want to chime said, in on this too. He said, if Ben was healthy, would the Steelers have gone out to get Minka Fitzpatrick? Brian, what do you think? Yes. Yeah. I, I, think that, I think that was the plan. And yeah. I'm glad they didn't scrap it. No. Okay. If Ben was healthy, they wouldn't have got him. Because the Dolphins saw Ben go down, they banked on the Steelers being in the top 10 and pulled the trigger with the Steelers. So it's not that the Steelers wouldn't have tried. I don't know if the Dolphins would have pulled the trigger on that because they had, apparently that was the story that they chose the Steelers because they thought that would give them the highest pick. Oh, that's so, interesting. Haha. Ha. Um, okay. Well, hold on, Dave. Hold on. Let me get. I, I didn't get to talk about all the other stuff. I know you'll get a chance. You'll get a chance. I just I have this question in my head. It's a good okay. question. I don't want to lose it. Let's say Mason Rudolph and this defense and this team and this coaching staff somehow resurrect this season and get into the playoffs. I'm not even going to say that they win a game or they go on to do some damage or get to the Super Bowl. That's crazy talk right now. But let's say they get into the postseason. How do you go back to Ben Roethlisberger next year, a 37, going to be 38-year-old quarterback that's coming off of a elbow injury in his throwing arm? I just don't get how you can do that. I really don't. If Mason Rudolph continues to develop and he starts to, they're starting to see some something, I guess we'll just put it that way. Tell me how you can do that. Or maybe you maybe you guys think it's easy. Um, Dave, you have the platform first. Okay, good. Because I could I could tie that into a bunch of good stuff here. Okay. Which most people probably disagree with me. I'm going to say this for sure. There is no question that Ben Roethlisberger is a way better quarterback at this point than Mason Rudolph. Well, you'd be crazy to not say that. Right. But just because Ben is a better quarterback doesn't mean that doesn't mean that that's what's better for the makeup of this team right now. And here's what I mean by that. You probably think I'm crazy. Like what, what in the world are you saying? Did the, does this team right now need a quarterback that everyone relies on? Or like Brian said, do you need that quarterback that everybody rallies around? I was going to bring up something after this next game when we have some extra time to get some other articles out to say, Hey, if Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback, now I know defenses would be playing different, but let's just say everything was the same, but you just changed the number on the quarterback. I'm not going to say under center because he'd be in the shotgun. Um, <laughs> sorry. Everyone would be upset with the play of the receivers. And that would be the story that they're not doing enough and they're not catching the ball and everything else. But because of, these issues that they've had with Rudolph. I was at the Miami game. I saw him throwing behind guys. Uh, I did not see that in the Rams game. I was trying to tell Lance Williams today, in person, watching for the end zone view, that was a completely different quarterback. 
for in two, in in 13 days time but that would be the story that we, we would say like well the wide receivers so i i asked somebody else this question i'm like when they say Mason isn't con when Rudolph was not confident enough to throw the ball downfield, which is not the case. That was not how it was this week. So those of you wanting to throw that narrative out there saying it was just dink and dunk, it was not, but was it that way because he didn't have confidence in himself or because he didn't have confidence in his receivers? That's a good point. Because Brian, his receivers yeah. did not come through for him, especially early on, on Sunday. All right, Brian, what would you do? You make the playoffs. Indianapolis Colts moved on. Um, they, in hindsight, uh, really, I mean, I know it didn't really work, um, but it worked for a little while. They didn't win a, win a, a title, but they moved on from maybe the greatest quarterback of all time and Peyton Manning. Um, you know, I wanted to cop out and say, hey, I'm only worried about going as far as February of 2020. But if we're really getting into this, you've got to weigh what's best for your future at that time. Um, you guys are gripping about losing a first round draft pick because of Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't think anybody's really uh, caring about that now, especially as that pick gets uh, gets lower and lower, um, higher and higher, excuse me, or lower, whatever. I, I, lower in the round, higher low, in the lower in the round. Yeah. So, I mean, what if you get a second round pick or a first round pick out of Ben Roethlisberger? Are you ready to turn that corner at the time? You've got to just realize at that point, you just have to realize what is best for your team at the time. And if you feel that your future is Mason Rudolph, you go with Mason Rudolph. If you feel that's your future. Now, if you want to just go ahead and do the Lifetime Achievement Award because of nostalgia, you saw the Boston Celtics do it. Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. They regretted holding on to those guys and letting them all have retirement ceremonies and not building for a future. They never did. And I know that's basketball. That's a whole different thing. Um, sometimes you just go to go ahead and give them the gold watch and say thank you for your service to this team. And we appreciate it. So that basically, the next seven games are an audition. The next seven, maybe plus games, if there is, if they're fortunate enough to be in the playoffs, you know what it is. Is you just gotta hope that he is in the mode that he is going right now. He's auditioning, and he's gonna continue to audition. If he leads you far, what are you gonna do? The Eagles just had this just a couple years ago, and they held on for, with Foles for one more year, but Wentz was their guy. But Wentz is a two-, three-year player. He's got a lot ahead of him. If Wentz was a 13-year player and he got Wally pipped, he gets Wally pipped, he's gone. And you keep Foles, and you go that way. So that's probably what I'm thinking. Answer your question, and then I have one final comment, Jeff. I, I want you to answer your own question first. Okay, I, I just don't see how you would go back to him. I mean, there's so many questions just in general about his arm injury. I mean, yeah. you, any, you talk to anybody that's dealt with an arm injury, like an elbow. like, a, like I, I know that when I was a trainer full-time, I, I, I helped several pitchers rehab from Tommy John, and it's it it could go it could go like that for pirate fans. James and Tyon has torn has had to have, to have two Tommy John surgeries, and it, it's basically ending his career. 
I mean, who's to say Roethlisberger goes out there and just doesn't have a re-injury and then his career's over. We saw it with Terry Bradshaw. Brian wrote an article about that. I remember when he did his throwback Thursdays. Uh, the last game was against the Jets, wasn't it, Brian? Yep, it was uh, December of 83. Yeah, they, they all thought he'd be back. He was done. He never played again. So I'm not saying that Ben's done. I'm not saying that Ben doesn't have anything left. I just find it to be extremely intriguing when it comes to the situation of if Mason Rudolph continues to develop, and that's key. If he's just kind of checking it down and, and playing it safe the whole time and the defense is standing tall, it's a different story. But if Mason continues to progress, it's going to be an interesting uh, offseason in terms of what the Steelers do. Go ahead, Dave. All right, I'm going to say this to you guys. We got this discussion out there, great and wonderful, but I think this is how we need to conclude it. And I want you guys to hear it. I want the live chat to hear it. I want the people listening to the podcast to hear it. I want our commenters on behind the steel curtain to hear it. The Steelers are five and four and in the sixth seat of the playoffs right now. Just like I say to people that want to talk about the draft, forget the draft, forget 2020 and who the quarterback's going to be and let's just ride out this this season because these last four games have been a blast so let's yeah. just say we can think about it but you know what you you know who's going to deal with that problem that's going to be future Steelers and it's going to be on a podcast that future Jeff and future Brian and future Dave are going to talk about. So let's let those guys worry about that question and let's, and let's just get down to this team and winning now and let it all play out when it comes back into play. Five and four, like I said on our post game show, never in my wildest dreams when they were zero and three and then one and four, did I think that this was a realistic possibility, but yet here we are. And so great, great news for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let's talk a little bit about the Browns. Before we do that, let's get to Dave's stat geek. Dave, you said you had a quick stat geek for us. Yes, very quick. Um, so I know sometimes I like to pull in some stuff from the stat geek show, but since it was just last night and that fresh, we're going to do something really quick and right off the bat. Can you guys, just from watching the game, I know I'm sure you guys didn't get to go back and break down film or anything like that. Um, I have no film to break down because the game was in my area. All oh, I, I break down film all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the question is, how did what who do how do you think the division of labor fell when it came to the defensive line this past game? You might have read stuff about it or anything else. Who was on the field the most? Who was the number one player out there the most? And how much do you think he was out there? Cam this Hayward? Is, yes, Cam Hayward. So I'm saying not, not the outside linebackers, the defensive line. Cam Hayward played the highest percentage of snaps that he's played in a very, very long time. So much so I haven't gone back to even find it. But Cam Hayward, out of the 77 defensive snaps, I want to make sure I have the exact number, he played 69 of them, which was 90% of the snaps on defense, which is more than what he's, he used to. Who was next? Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave, 56% of the snaps, 73%. And we talked about this in the offseason, about they need to find a way to get him on the field more. Unfortunately, it's because Stefan Tuitt is out for the season. It would have been great to get these numbers up when he was there and keep Cam's numbers down. But then what who do you think? Where do you, where do you think it falls after that with the next with the next three? Because there's only five active on game day. Alu Alu after that. How much do you think he got out there? Just give me a ballpark percentage. Uh, if hey, if Hargrave, you said it was 56, right? No, Hargrave was 73%. 70. I'm going to say that Alu Alu was 
56. What do you think, Brian? Uh, let's say about, uh, I'd say about 60% of the time. 27%. Wow. Hmm. 21 snaps for Alu Alu. They really went with the they went with, with Javon Hargrave. Well, but they, they went yeah. with their dime package a lot. Yep. And and now pretty much I think Alu Alu was mainly only out there when they were in base. And whenever and whenever they came out, rather than pulling Hargrave a lot, they were pulling out. I mean, this isn't I'm saying in general, not all the time. They were they were pulling Alu Alu more because then I, then Bugs, he wasn't all that far behind. He was 14% with eleven with eleven snaps. And big old shade tree was on the field for a whole whopping three snaps on defense. Man. So they were not using the base defense very often. So that that tells you that. And they, But Hargrave got a ton of snaps because they were using him in, in, in nickel and nine. That's interesting. That's yep. very interesting stuff. Is that it? Is that all for the stat geek? Yep, that was all. All right, very good. Um okay let's talk about the browns it's tough because you still want to talk about the rams game and here we are two days away from another game and so the browns posed and dave and i kind of talked about this a little bit before brian joined the show Uh, the browns have an interesting matchup issue for the steelers if you want to call it that um we all might look at this game in a little bit different light in regards to matchups to watch that's where i want to start tonight guys if there's one matchup can be offense, defense, special teams does not matter that you're really highlighting circling in red saying this could be the difference between a win and a loss. Where are you pointing in regards to that matchup? We'll start with Brian. The difference between a win and a loss. Uh, really? I think it's getting James Connor back and, uh, and really just running the ball and getting those wide receivers open because you're able to run the ball. So it all starts there. Okay. Dave, what do you think? I think this is going to come down to, like I was saying earlier, a lot is going to be on the defense and I'm going to put it on the front four slash five, depending on their formation of being able to get the job done up front, not just in flustering and getting in Faker Mayfield's head, but also being able to shut down that run game at the same time. I'm glad you said the run game. That's important, but I'm going to go in a different direction. I figured you guys would probably say something along those lines. And I'm going to go with Alejandro Villanueva versus Miles Garrett because Miles Garrett, I've watched the Browns play more than I would have liked to this year. It's just, I tend to watch division games one because I have Sunday tickets. So if I'm sitting down on a Sunday and the Steelers play 425 and you know, they, I have a one o'clock game. I'm going to watch the Ravens or I'm going to watch the Bengals or the Browns. And Miles Garrett is a, is a man. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, he is a monster. I'm not saying he's like Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald was, I don't watch the Rams a lot. And so when I watched the game on Sunday, I was like, holy cow, this guy is a game wrecker. Like, period. A one man game wrecker. Uh, but for me, it's, it's villain wave who has struggled at times. But he's always played well against Miles Garrett for some reason. I don't think Miles Garrett has done much of anything when Alejandro Villanueva is healthy. I think he has maybe one sack. You'd have to look that up, Dave. Um, he may have had a two game, a two sack game last year against the Steelers. Okay, maybe week um, one. Yeah, but I tell you what, I don't think he's far behind Jeff. Um, far behind Aaron Donald. 
I think Aaron Donald is number one, but this guy's not too far. No. So that's a matchup that they're going to have to really keep an eye on. And my goodness, you can't talk about the Browns without talking about TJ Watt. TJ Watt always plays really, really well. Yeah, that's true. Against the Browns. I mean, it was his first game in the NFL where he had the interception. He had a sack, I think, and he's just the guy's turning into a monster. We talk about Miles Garrett and Errol Donald. I'm not saying he's on that level. That's like upper echelon talk. But man, he is a dominant force. He's projected to have him a 17 sacks on the season right now, as he has nine and a half at nine games. What is the record? Does anyone know? Single the, season sacks? I think Steelers? it's 23 now. Oh, for the Steelers? Yeah. It's 16. Mm, who has that? Is it Gilden? Um, no, actually, it's uh, it's Debo. Really? Okay. Uh, I believe I believe Debo broke it. Um, because for the longest time, it was well. I know Kevin Green had fourteen and a half, so I'm pretty sure Debo went ahead and broke it. But I'll go ahead and look that up. Is uh, do you all think that he that TJ Watt could get that done this year? Yeah, well, here's the deal with that. He has nine and a half right now. And yeah. I know I, I've said this and somebody made fun of me. I said, you know, he's actually on track to the uh, all-time record because coming into the season, he had 20 in two seasons. Um, he had ended up with uh, 12 and a half last year, seven and a half the year before. So he had 20. This year, he's almost to 30. The record's 80.5. If he stays healthy and stays on this team in five years, he's breaking that record. I uh, I think 16 is something that this guy could easily do because you're looking at right now, nine games, nine and a half sacks. Um Seven games, but look who he has back. left on the schedule. Look who he has left on the schedule. Browns Two twice games Bengals. against the Browns, the Bengals, the Jets, the Bills. Teams that really struggle to protect the quarterback, yeah. and so he really can could do it. Um, Mike Merriweather might might have had the sack record too for the longest time. Um, now I need to look that up. But Merriweather's up there. He had 15 and a half for 16, but I still think it's Debo. Dave, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are Miles Garrett has four sacks in three games going up against the Steelers. What's that? Miles Garrett has four sacks in uh, three okay. games going against the Steelers. Because uh, he did not, not play in, in his rookie year. He did not play That's the right. first game against the Steelers because he was injured. In week 17, he had one. Um, and then last season in the overtime game, he had two. And then in the in the game midway through the season, he had one. So, but what's funny is like he had one sack, but he had one tackle in that game. Um, and, you know, in, in the second game last year, he, he doesn't have a lot of, you know, he also only has four quarterback hits, which goes right along with the sacks. You know what I mean? Right. So, so yeah. what do you think? Um, what do you think about the Steelers having two double-digit sack getters at the end I've, of the season? I think that's going to happen. I, yeah. In fact, you they know could what? have. Are they going to have three? With they going to have three. With Hayward coming Hayward. on, too, yeah. Oh, wow. So that, that's has, has that ever happened, Brian? Has that ever happened in Steelers no. history? Oh. No, there, there's been two in one season. I do have the sack leaders up here. I was correct. It was the 2008 season. James Harrison had 16. He broke Merriweather's record of 1984 with 15. If you look at double-digit sacks in 2008, Lamar Woodley had 11 and a half, along with that 16 from James Harrison. That was just a heck of a team. Um, 
that that defense was crazy. Um, but if you look at the same year, there's really no, because um, there's only about 15 guys that had over 10 sacks. Yeah, it, in that would season. be impressive. How many? How many do they have total as a team so far? 34, 33, 33. Shoot, they're well on their way to 50 plus. Yeah, 56 is the record. Yeah. And if they get to uh if they get to 56, then they will be the all-time um in in a three-year span, they will be the leader for the most sacks in a three-year span in NFL history. This like is it. this is such a sacking team. Uncharted territory. That's good. So okay. It's tough to talk about fantasy football sometimes when you're on a Thursday night game, but for those that do daily fantasy leagues, you can have a specialty game just for that particular event. So, for instance, I know I'll have a team. I know Dave will have a team. I'm not sure if Brian will have submitted anything for daily fantasy for this Thursday night game. But yeah, guys, I, I may. I've, I did it just a couple weeks ago. Okay. I started up. Let's go through and pick someone that you would start and someone that you would bench in this upcoming game, you do them both in the same segment. We'll start with Dave. Dave, who would you start and who would you bench? Okay. For this game, I am going to bench Baker Mayfield because he's going to have a tough time. If Honestly, the only way the Browns are going to win this game is if they run the ball like crazy successfully and run it more than they throw it. Um, so I'm not, I'm not touching that one. And I honestly, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the cop out. I am, I, I know you can't do this in the single games, but no matter what you got to do, you've got to keep rolling with the Steelers defense. It's just, I did. It's just I did much. this past week. Did anyone else? Um, I, I, did. I didn't in Fandle, but I did. And I got like 20. No, I did. Points. I did. I did. But I bought the rest of my lineup was so terrible because I had the Steelers defense. I had Vance McDonald. No, and, I did not. Yeah. I went in, in regular fantasy. I, I took them a couple places, but I uh, I went with a Colts defense, actually. Yeah, see, I gambled on Pittsburgh, and it paid off. I didn't win any money, but it paid off. All right, Brian, what about you? Who are you starting? Who are you benching? I'm starting Nick Chubb. I think this could be the first 100-yard rusher against the Steelers. Um, they haven't had one yet. Uh Gosh, I I really think that he is having one of the uh, one of the better seasons in the NFL. I could see him breaking off a long one. I don't think he's going to torch the Steelers, um, but I would probably put my money on Chubb uh, for what he's been doing. But Vince Williams has something to say about that, and a lot of people want to talk about Minka Fitzpatrick coming in and stabilizing the defense, and that's very true. But what also stabilized the run game was when. Vinny Vitivici came back. So I really think that guy is uh, a stud when you're talking about defense. And um, I, I don't know what I said that was so funny. But... <laughs> and I started Cooper Cup. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, and you know what? I've got a fantasy role, Bo. <laughs> and, um, and I love and being wrong. Do you recall who I said to play last week? Uh, no. That was one James Washington mm, hey, who had only his second career touchdown of the regular season and had his career high in receptions and yards, which he just, which was set the week before actually. So he, and he surpassed them. So 
hey, look, I can't pick the correct score every single week like I did in the Indianapolis game. Um, I can't do that. And I, I picked the wrong score. I picked the Steelers to lose that game. But in the back of my head, I'm like, gosh, I hope I'm wrong. I was wrong, and I admit it. So, hey, don't take me to Vegas unless you want to party and have a great time. Um, but I'm not going to win you money there. So I, I'm not claiming to do that. But Cup, I thought Cup was a fantastic pick and I played him in FanDuel and I lost and I'm glad I lost. I'm fine with that. But you know what? That just shows me how special the Steeler defense is. So yeah, yeah, I said pick cup, so I'm wrong. So maybe by saying chub cup chub, it's close. Maybe that's gonna shut him down. So maybe it's the reverse bad mojo. <laughs> so <You're> like, <laughs> Who are you starting? Did you say that? I said Chubb. I was I okay. Was that's right. Chubb. All right. Keep in mind, Kareem Hunt is back. It might cut into Chubb's carries. That's all I'm saying with that. I don't think, I don't think it's going. I think he's dangerous. Um, oh, yeah. I, re I really think he's dangerous. But uh, there you go. And Ron Chess is just. Are you saying, talking football or not? Oh, jeez. Uh, we went there. Just, okay. Sorry. Uh, All right. Boy. Okay. Let's bring um, it back. Let's get it back on the, the track here. Who am I not sorry. going to start this week? And look, I'm not going any. And I went near this guy last week, too. And I started Jalen Samuels in a couple places. Um, look, I realize that don't call it a cop out because I don't know really where uh where connor is we think he's gonna play but look if he doesn't jalen samuels is not getting it done on the ground he's not getting it done in the air he is a very good piece of the puzzle to have on the team as far as a complimentary back but don't start jalen okay i'm looking at if i'm the browns in this matchup, who am I really looking to stop in terms of the passing game and so juju is going to be number one well like dave said now James Washington would be number two. So I'm going to take number three. I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson. I, and he, he has a good rapport with Mason Rudolph. They seem to look for one another in key spots. And he does have the, he does have the drop, uh, a couple drops on his record, but ultimately I think that he's a guy that could exploit his matchup. Who am I going to bench? I've been waiting for the Steelers to throw the tight ends, especially in the red zone. And I just am at the point now where I just don't feel like it's going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I would say Bench Vance McDonald or Nick Finette, any of those guys. Um, I might be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that maybe they get Vance the ball in the red zone a couple times and give him a chance to make a play, but it just hasn't happened. And so I've started Vance McDonald the past few weeks thinking that, you know, he's a cheaper player and could maybe get me some good points just hasn't happened. So that's who I'm going to bench. So, all right. Anything I, to say about that, Dave? Yeah. I want to, I want to just give you a little stat update. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I didn't go into the whole NFL. I did just the Steelers have never had three double digit players in sacks in one season. They have had two, five different times with the most recent being in 2010, which was James Harrison and Lamar Woodley. Right now on the Steelers currently, and now it's all of a sudden, so I'm going from memory. We have TJ Watt with nine and a half. We have Bud Dupree with six, and we have Cam Hayward with five and a half. 
And those who've come, he did not have much early when it, when it came to Hayward. So he's been more on, on a tear recently. So you have three people right there legitimately to get double-digit sacks for the first time for the Steelers to have three. You know who I, I find myself thinking, you know, we talked earlier about if Ben Roethlisberger were healthy. Do you know who I find myself saying, what if this person were healthy more than Ben Roethlisberger? Stefan Tuitt. If Stefan Tuitt was healthy, holy cow, would this defense be even better than it is right now? Just incredible. So it is what it is. Let's get to prediction time. This is where we take our shots in the dark or Brian Anthony. Davis goes and picks the correct score two weeks ago. Seahawks have two losses. All right, and um, let's get to our predictions. Guys, Thursday night football is always kind of a crapshoot. Go ahead, Dave. Tell us the current spread, over, under, et cetera. Current spread is that the, the Steelers are two-and-a-half-point underdogs with a 40-point over, under. Hmm. I don't know the weather forecast. It sounds crazy, but in Cleveland, you got to know. Well, it, I, I was I had it up and I was going to look for it and and my computer wasn't working right or the website I was on. I saw that they had a, they had a winter storm warning in Cleveland this afternoon. Um, whenever I brought it up, but I didn't get to actually look at, at the future um, at the future weather stuff. So I'll see if I can get that now. Okay, Brian, we'll start with you, Mister Accurate. What is your prediction for the upcoming game? Pittsburgh Steelers thirty three. Cleveland Browns, 31. Oh, really close. Is this a Steelers hang on for dear life, or is this a Chris Boswell field goal wins it? I'm going to say that uh, Boz hits it into the win straight and gets the win by the mistake by the lake, and it won't be a mistake from number nine. All right. What about you, Dave? All right. I am going to say that on Thursday night, it is supposed to be uh, 12 mile an hour winds. Um, low is 28 overnight, so it should be right around, you know, 30 some degrees probably while they're playing. Um, not There's like a 10% chance of rain, so it shouldn't be terrible weather um, that really comes into it. Maybe a little bit breezy. But I'm going to say that I, I'm going with what I think that it, I think this is more about the Steelers defense and can a first year coach scheme anything that can go against this defense on the super short week. And I'm going to step out and say Steelers 23 Browns six. Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love it. I would be, I would be awesome. You know, I, I loved the fact that the Cleveland Browns won last week. Loved it. There's nothing that would scare me more than if they had just continued their losing streak going into Thursday night, Steelers at home, prime time. They got the win. They're feeling good about themselves. That's what I like about this matchup because they're just due for another letdown. Pittsburgh will deliver that. I like the Steelers lower scoring than most people think. I'm going to say take the under here. I like the Steelers to win 24 to 13, 24 to 13. I, and I think they are going to get a, here's another quick question for you guys. <laughs> quick question for you guys. Does the streak end? Does the, does the, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I, know, I, I see it. <laughs> are, you getting, are you talking about getting mad with <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not professional, but it's okay. Does the, the, the Steelers have given up the ball in some way, shape or form in 16 straight games. They've had a turnover. Does the streak end 
in week 11, Dave? No, because it's a short week. Brian? Absolutely not. Um, no, in fact, they might have 17 um, against Baker Mayfield. That uh, No, I, I think they get it too. No, 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 he's no. talking about giving, giving the ball up. away, turnover, giving up, oh, giving it away. Okay. Uh, not take away turnover. Okay, so uh, no, that wasn't a Seattle thing. Um, so <laughs> you know what? Um, the the points last week, they the offense gave up triple the points that the defense gave up. Um, so yeah, I could actually see them giving up too, but but still winning. Okay. I just, am, they, they've got to be plus. They need to be plus. Right. I can actually see the Steelers breaking the streak. I can see them running the ball well enough that the, the risk of an interception or Pouncey snapping the ball over a guy's head or gosh, what a horrible start to the game that was. I, I mean, my wife came down and said they're losing already. And I'm, yeah, and the Rams haven't even had the ball yet. <laughs> But yeah, I do want to take a quick aside here before we call it a show and say that there's a player that I've given crap to for as long as he's been in Pittsburgh. And that's having, in my opinion, his best season of his career. And that's Jordan Berry. I think Jordan Berry has been really, really good. And I've always watched Sam Cook of the Baltimore Ravens. And it's, he would have these kicks where you're like, all right, we got him pinned back. We're going to flip this field. We're going to have a great field position. And then he boots a 60-yarder over your punt returner's head, and he pins you back at the 20-yard line, and now you got to drive the full field. I've been saying that I want a punter that can do that, and we never have as Steeler fans. Daniel Sepulveda maybe did it two times before he tore his ACLs multiple times. And then finally, it seems like Barry is getting it. Maybe it's that he's just having some good luck. I don't know, but I just want to give some kudos out to Jordan Barry because I've certainly hated on him enough in my time doing these podcasts. Dave, what do you say? I was going to say, well, he had a, he had he he had enough chances on Sunday. Well, that's he true. Nine times, nine times. 17 in the game. Nine times. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, someone said something about how I need to build a shrine to Jordan Berry behind me. Um, It is going to be interesting that pretty soon, uh, BTSC headquarters, which is my home, is going to be taking a new residence, in which case I will have some stuff behind me because I won't be doing this in my dining room. I'll have an office and I'll have a flag. I've I've had a Ben Roethlisberger fathead in my possession for probably about, I don't know, 11 years, maybe longer. It was gifted to me and I never had a place to put it. I'm going to put it up in the office. We'll put it up there, you know. Let me ask you a question. Sure. I I saw a local place here that does fat heads, and would you put up a fat head of <laughs> me and Dave, <laughs> like right here, <laughs> if you got you one from our December fifteenth no. field? Would you <laughs> me and the Finneys, Dave and his Kylo Ren? Oh my gosh, Jackson, that you don't even know what that means, Jeff. But um, would you put that up? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But it's just funny because I always had this fat head that was given to me. And I'm always telling my wife, like, hey, I got to put this up somewhere. She goes, where are you going to put it? Like, where are you going to put it? And I'm like, I don't know. Put it down the rec room. No, you're not putting it because it's not a man cave. It was like a rec. So now I'm finally going to have a spot that I can call my own. Or I can do my work. So BTSC headquarters will be moving and no more gray walls. It'll actually have some Steeler stuff on it. So hope you all are looking forward to that. As long as you're not moving into the freshman dorms with Dave. 
No, the best was when he had it covered with a sheet. I know, <laughs> I know. Hey, no, people, people said. I, who said it earlier? Was it, it tonight that they said? Or no, it was a comment in a my comment show from, from last yesterday night. About the Tebow book. Once, once, once I got rid of the Tebow book, the Steelers haven't lost. So, uh, so, so yeah. Honestly, remember, I had the cool backdrop. I had the helmet. I had the signs. I had everything, but I had bad connection in that part of the house. So I've like this. I you guys have to stare at the terrible bookshelf behind me, all so you could actually hear what I have to say. So some of you are like, it's a double whammy. They just wish they couldn't hear me, and and they don't have to see the bookshelf. I like when people said, "I want to know what's under that sheet," and I said it was a stand-up coffin. So you don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's that it's that hitchhiker that talked way too much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything to say to you? To the Steelers faithful out there before we call it a show. Dave, anything? This is this is one of those games that I'm I don't know why I have more confidence in this game than I have for a long time, which sometimes that scares me a little bit. Yeah. So uh I'm I'm looking forward to 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 Thursday night. Something just tells me that the Browns I I really think having a first-year head coach just puts a team so far behind the eight ball on Thursday night. So I'm like, good, because I think that guy's over his in, in over his head anyway. So now throw a, throw a short week on him, and hopefully we can go in there, go into dominate in the state of Ohio like we have been, and uh, find the touchdown zone a couple times. There you go, Brian. Okay, guys, I've been in a scout uniform, but for this next take, oh, I please bet, stop! Please I better stop. take no, no. There's a shirt on underneath, <laughs> but I better take off the scout uniform. I want to ask you guys a question, and uh, this is uh, what I did see Lance mention. Didn't I threaten um, to fight Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I did the other day, so I do apologize for that. Um, and actually, I don't. I would fight Baker Mayfield um, any day of the week and twice on Sundays. And I know you guys, all 220 of you, would back me up. Now, I want to ask you guys a question, and I want to go back in time. I mean, probably to when you were in college. So, Jeff, that was probably last year. Um, uh, Dave, <laughs> let's go back about 30 years um, when you were in college. But no, let's talk about this. So, you're out at the bar. You're you're having a good night, and but you're not having the best night with the ladies, okay? So then all of a sudden you're just there, and like it's two a.m. and some scraggly woman comes up to the bar and gives you a wink, and you're like, well, I could go home, and I could uh, you didn't have Netflix, so you could you know break out Animal House on the VHS for the seventeenth time, where you're like, well, hey, she's she's giving me some uh, some eye magic here so maybe i should go home with her and so it's two o'clock in the morning you're like hey why the hell not and then you go home with this woman and you do whatever whatever comes naturally and so the reason i'm asking you that question is that 2 a.m that 2 a.m booty call that's the 2019 pittsburgh steelers all right <laughs> and it doesn't matter that you're not proud of it. You're not putting it in your Christmas card. You're not bragging to your friends about it. You're not doing any of that. You're just like, hey, in your head, you're like, woo, high five myself because I just got lucky. The Pittsburgh Steelers are winning ugly. Is that that's what you want to call it? They're winning ugly. The Pittsburgh Steelers are your 2002, 2019, 2 a.m. booty call. And you know what? Just enjoy it and maybe go to the doctor afterwards just to make sure that everything is still in one place and that you don't and check on that sore that you have three days later. But here's the bottom line to the whole thing. 
you take it, and it's a moral victory, and you move on. Oh my god! Uh, so, <laughs> so another. How did you get? Even though it's ugly, just take it. Right, that's the bottom line. <laughs> that's, have... that's, that's the moral of the story. It's, it's like taking the ugly girl to the prom, but you still get to dance. It doesn't matter. Okay, let, let me just say that if you're listening to this in podcast form, you need to go to YouTube, fast forward all the way to the end, watch Brian for some reason start to take his clothes off. Well, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be wearing a Boy Scout uniform because I am a leader doing that rant. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's too good. All right. Well, I don't I nothing's gonna top that. So it's a good place to end the show. Let me just say that if you're watching Thanks for the, the last couple t- tosses into the tip jar. Yes, know. the Justin put two dollars in. And Grayson. Grayson put a mm-hmm. dollar ninety-nine in. So thank you all for that. Anyone else that contributed? Remember, a lot of people give their hard-earned money, like those two people we just mentioned. You don't have to. The best way you can help us is just by hitting the like button, subscribe to the channel. Our goal of 5,000 is almost half, we're almost halfway there. We're almost at 4,500. And then after that, it goes to Lance Williams' goal of 6,000 by the end of the season. We'll see this. Like the video, guys. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Seattle Seahawks have two losses. That's where we're going to end it. All right. <laughs> we'll see you next week for another episode of the Steelers preview. Have a good one, everybody.